unveiling the secrets A-list copywriters use to make themselves and their clients millions. This is the Copywriters Podcast with your host, the world's greatest copywriting coach, David Garfinkel. All right, welcome back to the Copywriters Podcast with your host, the world's greatest copywriting coach, David Garfinkel. David, how are you doing today? Hey, Nathan, I'm good. How are you? I'm doing fantastic and even better now that I see what we're doing on today's episode because these are always my favorite episodes. Yeah, this one's really special. We're back with our old master series and this topic is so big and important, we're going to take four shows to do it. And it's based on a question, what your prospects most want to know. And the question is, when your prospect starts to read your copy, what is the one thing your prospect wants to know more than anything else? I won't keep you waiting. The answer is simple. What your prospect wants to know is, what will your product or service do for me, the prospect? And it sounds like a simple question, maybe even a stupid question, but it's neither stupid nor simple because the answer you give and the way you give it will make all the difference for how long your prospect keeps reading and at the end of the day, whether your prospect actually buys. This show is in the Old Master series because it comes from a special book, How to Write a Good Advertisement by Victor Schwab. I'll tell you more about the book in a few minutes. For now, I want to say for that question, Schwab identifies four categories of things a prospect would want a product to do for them. Help them gain something, help them be something, help them do something, or help them save something. And today we're going to drill down on the things your prospect would like to know that your product will do for them. And we'll see how you can use this information in your copy. As for now, the one thing I want you to know more than anything else is copy is powerful. You're responsible for how you use what you hear in this podcast. And most of the time, common sense is all you need. But if you make extreme claims and if you're writing copy for offers in highly regulated industries like health, finance, business opportunity, you may want to get a legal review after you finish your copy and before you start using it. My larger clients do this all the time. So here's what we're going to do today. First, we'll go over all eight things Schwab found that prospects want to know if your product can do. Now, it doesn't have to do more than one, as we'll discuss, and it may not even have to be one of those eight, but these eight are proven winners. So let's talk about Vic Schwab. He spent 44 years in advertising, and he kept a lot of notes. Ad Age magazine called Schwab the greatest mail-order copywriter of all time. In 1941, so keep these dates in mind, in 1941, he wrote a series of five articles for Printer's Inc. magazine, and he titled the entire series, How to Write a Good Advertisement. In 1961, 20 years later, he expanded that series into the book, How to Write a Good Ad. So he probably spent 20 years fleshing it out. And the book is so important that my mentoring clients and I spend almost half a year going through this book in a special way I've developed. 
it's as good, the book is, as Gene Schwartz's Breakthrough Advertising. In short, I'd say Schwab's book is a goldmine for copywriters. So today, after we review the eight things, we'll take a look at a few examples of how they show up in some well-known ads. Then we'll look at how you can use one or more of these eight things in your copy. Now, as I've already said, you don't have to use one of these eight, but your odds are usually a lot better if you do. Anyway, we'll look at how you can use the general idea of what your product or service can do for your prospect, and we'll adapt it, how you can adapt that to something else. If that'll work better for you. And finally, we'll look at what else you need to think about to really bring your prospect off the fence besides just what your product can do for them once you've told them what it will do. Okay, so let's start with this book and the list of eight. So everything we're going to talk about today and in the three podcasts that follow come from page 47, from this half of page 47. And that might seem like a lot of podcasts based on very little information. But remember, Vic Schwab spent 44 years testing and tracking ads and reviewing other top performing ads. So all of this is condensed practical wisdom. And some people find the book a little old-fashioned, and it is. How to Write a, a Good Advertisement was first published in 1962. That's almost 60 years ago. But remember, it's based on human psychology. And in reality, that hasn't changed very much over the years. People still want more of the same things. They're worried about most of the same things. Time changes, styles change, technology changes, fashion changes, but human nature remains largely the same. Okay, so here's the list of eight things the prospect would be able to do, and spelling out any one of them will definitely increase your chances of making a sale. Number one, express their personalities. This could be anything from writing or another art form like music to wearing a type of clothing I have a client who works for a hockey brand, co-founded by a hockey star. And no, it's not Getz. It's a, it's a famous <laughs> hockey guy. Wearing that line of clothes is a way for the customer to express their personality as a hockey person. That's number one, express their personalities. Number two, resist domination by others. This has a lot of possibilities, and I'll share one a little later on. Number three, satisfy their curiosity. Any info product that goes deep sharing hard-to-find knowledge could use this one. Number four, wait for it, emulate what has general acceptance as being admirable. Yeah, that's a mouthful, right? Shorthand would be something a social media influencer is promoting. If the admired influencer does something with a certain product, the people being influenced might want to buy it just so they can do the same thing and to be admired the way the influencer is. We'll take that apart a little more, unpack that a little more as we go. Number five, appreciate beauty. For example, an art appreciation course. Number six, acquire and collect things. Some people are collectors. I'll give you a personal example. As I was preparing notes for this show, I looked 30 degrees to my right and saw eight guitars. Yes, you could say, I'm a guitar collector. Number seven, win the affection of others. 
Dating sites are an obvious example. We'll have another one in a minute. And number eight, improve themselves generally. This could apply to a wide range of self-improvement. Does this ring any bells for you, Nathan? Yes, a lot of bells. I just wanted to add to your guitar collection, you've probably got a pretty big pinky in the brain hat collection. How did you know? <laughs> You're right. All right so, okay, um, if this is if this is our you know recovery meeting, yes, my name is David, and I'm a pinky in the brain hat collector. <laughs> this is an intervention. <laughs> Uh-oh. Hold on to your hat, David. <laughs> okay. Now, let's look at some famous ads that just about everyone's heard of and see how they use not only one of these, but actually use more than one, which is okay. It's okay to use more than one. These are really some of the best offers in history, and at least two of them sold quite a bit over a long period of time. The first one is the frequently mentioned John Capel's ad, with the headline, they laughed when I sat down at the piano, but when I began to play. So let's look at that ad. On the surface, it might seem like this is all about overcoming shame and humiliation. And it is. They were laughing at him as he prepared to play the piano, but the laughter turned to shock, awe, and admiration once they heard him playing. Even so, I would say... In regard to these eight things, the most important thing John Caples, as the piano player in the story, was able to do was express his personality. Uh, Nathan, you and I know that's one thing music does for you, right? Being able to play or sing in front of people is the world's greatest form of expressing yourself. One of them, huh? I think even deeper than that, if you look at a lot of the bands that have large almost cult-like followings, a lot of times wearing that band shirt or having a backstage pass ticket lanyard or stuff like that is a way that the fans of that band also express their personality. A lot of times picking and choosing which bands you use or you choose to wear their merchandise or you, uh, a lot of times people, the band shirt, the band that they listen to becomes an extension of them being able to express their own personality as well. I would say so. I mean, the immediate example that comes to mind is Grateful Dead and Deadheads. My God, you know, exactly. People still wearing tie dye shirts 50 years after sixties. I mean, pretty amazing. Yes. So, more than just music, back to the cables ad, I think there's a social reward promise. People stop laughing at you and start giving you applause. Whether you play the piano, the course is advertising like Elton John or Billy Joel or Herbie Hancock or Stevie Wonder or some other pianist who's your hero, you can see in your mind you get lots of respect when you play it well. And that fits right into number five on the list, emulating what the general, what has general acceptance as being admirable or widespread admiration for short. So two things you'll be able to get if you buy this offer, get to express yourself and get admired, right? And that makes it very powerful. No, it's not the only thing. It was incredibly well-written. It was a great story. There's a lot more to it, but those are the two things it'll do for you. And I'm sure that that helped a lot. Okay, the second example is the nine-panel comic strip 
called The Insult That Made a Man Out of Mac. This was a sales letter in comic strip form, and it ran in newspapers and magazines for years. You've probably seen it at one time or another. It starts out with a skinny kid on the beach. He gets bullied, and his girlfriend walks away. He takes a home study course, and he bulks up. The next time he goes to the beach, he sees the bully, and he beats the shit out of the bully. (laughs) And now his girlfriend, Grace, loves him. She blurts out in panel nine, Oh, Mac, you are a real man after all. This was for the famous Charles Atlas Dynamic Tension Muscle Building course, and the copywriter was named Charles Roman. A couple things on the list here. The first thing that the product does for Mac is to show him how to resist domination. In other words, how to beat up the bully who humiliated him in the past so that guy can't dominate him anymore. And the second thing is number seven on the list, win the affection of others, namely his girlfriend. Of course, the 10th panel of the cartoon, which no one has ever seen, shows Mac in bed with his girlfriend. But that's not safe for work, so we'll leave that right there. Hey, let me ask you something. How would you like a complete copywriting course packed into a $10 Kindle book? Yeah? Then let me invite you to try Breakthrough Copywriting. It's only $10, and it's available now on Amazon as a Kindle. Breakthrough Copywriting was originally a $5,000 live seminar I held in Las Vegas. People flew in from all over the world to attend Breakthrough Copywriting. This Kindle book, by the same name, is a complete version of my four presentations at the seminar. If you would like to dig into copywriting basics or refresh the knowledge you already have, then you'll really like Breakthrough Copywriting. A-listers like John Carlton, Joe Sugarman, and Bob Bly give this book an A+, and you can read the reviews right on the Amazon site. This episode of the Copywriters Podcast is sponsored by Breakthrough Copywriting. Check this book out at Amazon.com today. And now, back to the Copywriters Podcast program, already in progress. Third example is something Vic Schwab wrote himself, although for obvious reasons he didn't broadcast this fact wildly. That was How to Win Friends and Influence People. Now, he didn't write the book himself. Dale Carnegie did that. But Dale was smart enough to hire one of the world's great copywriters to write the title and the chapter titles, which, if you think about it, also helped sell the book. Back in the old day when we had a lot of physical bookstores, people pick up the book, they'd look at the table of contents, and they get more and more excited just by the chapter titles. So we'll just focus on the title for now. And what a brilliant title it is, How to Win Friends and Influence People. I mean, the only person who wouldn't be at least a little interested would be an antisocial hater, (laughs) right? It promises a couple things from the list of eight. Number four, get admiration. And number eight, improve yourself generally. As of 10 years ago, the New York Times reported this book had sold 30 million copies. So I guess the strategies worked. I have two things that I wanted to add, and I'm going to step back just a little bit. When it comes to selling, the first one that you mentioned, the ability to express yourself, express your personality, Jay Peterman, I think their website, their sales copy is just a goldmine of this type of personality-based sales copy. So if people want some good examples, go check out the Jay Peterman website. They do an amazing job of doing this type of copy. Also, and this is just a tangent, but the comic book one that you were talking about, Mac getting 
picked on by the bully. I remember seeing those in the old comic books I would read when I was a kid. And for me, that was the first time that I understood the concept of making your advertisement blend in with the content that people are already absorbing. And I always thought that was so brilliant because if it looked like an ad, I probably never would have read it, but because it looked like a comic strip and I was already reading a comic book, I always read it. Even though I had read it three or four times already, I'd still skim through it. And just one thing that I've noticed through my own paid advertising endeavors If you are sending somebody from one platform to your website, so you're sending them from Facebook to your website or YouTube to your website, one thing to keep in mind is what kind of content are they consuming? If they're on Facebook reading stuff, send them to a sales page with written content. If they're on YouTube watching videos, send them to a video sales letter or a a page on your site that has a video. It's the same concept of that comic strip. People are already reading a comic strip, so they're more likely to read an ad that looks like a comic book strip. And so if they're already watching videos, make sure you're sending them to something that matches what they're already consuming. Yeah, that's really interesting. You're, you're right. I guess these days they call it native advertising. And in the past, it was called advertorial, still is to some degree. And I think that is the mistaken and tragic reason why a lot of TV commercials try to be funny or try to be... 30-second heroes journey stories rather than sell the product because they want to fit into that TV environment, but they're not fooling anybody. And I have no idea whether they sell anything or not, but I have my doubts. All right. So let's get personal. You and me, Nathan, and maybe some of our listeners, same thing. Just about everything I sell has something to do with do. And most of what I buy does too. Remember, there are four meta categories for these lists, gain, be, do, and save. And to be sure, the products and mentoring I offer fit more than one of those categories, but the category of do seems to rank highest among them. Even this podcast, which I know we should sell, but we don't, teaches people how to do copywriting, among other things, as does my book and my mentoring and some new products I'll be talking about on future shows. If you think about it, most online courses have one version of that offer. They're going to teach you how to do something. And most of them would fit in to one of the eight items on the list. And Nathan, I would say a lot of what you offer also fits into the, at least into one of the do categories. So when somebody buys your book on how to write a sales letter, they're learning the, the big promise, ultimately, what it's going to do for the prospect is it's going to teach you how to write a sales letter, which is something they can do. All right. So there's one more thing that you need a lot more in your copy, but just with this particular slice of things, the what will my product do for people or what will it do for my prospect? You need something else just with this. And so I'd like to offer this caution. Sometimes telling someone what your product will gain, save, do, or be isn't enough. This is a problem that comes along with the curse of knowledge. You know, the curse of knowledge, it's a concept Chip and Dan Heath came up with and made to stick. And it's when you know so much more than your market, you assume that they know it. And by not realizing that and reeling your mind back to where they are, 
you're going to fly right over them and miss a lot of opportunities to connect and to get them interested in and to sell. So sometimes telling someone what your product will help them gain or save or do or be isn't enough. You have to spell out the value. Don't assume that it will be obvious. And the value is why it matters or why should they care? For example, I could say my mentoring will help you become a better copywriter. And that's great. Some people have a pretty good idea of what that will mean for them. But why would I expect them to do the work of figuring out what it means, what its implications are? So I spell out how you can get freedom with your own product by becoming a better copywriter and passive income or greater flexibility and fulfillment in your work, greater power in the marketplace to negotiate a higher fee and other benefits that, and, and I do on garfinkelcoaching.com. I, I spell these things out and it's not unique to me. I mean, you need to do the same thing for any offer. You need to talk about what it will do for your prospects. And that may sound like a benefit in and of itself. And it often is, but I suggest you make the effort to take it one step further and let your prospects know how their life will change, as how it will get better as a result of being able to do this one thing. They'll thank you for it with their purchases. I think that to really just drive the point home, not just focusing on the benefits, but focusing on the transformation. A lot of times that's what people are really buying is the transformation. And if we don't spell that transformation out, we're, we're not doing our job as salespeople. I think you're right. That's a really good way to look at it. But you need to remember the transformation comes second. You need to sort of stair step it. You don't want to take that leap. Okay, so it's going to do this and then that will lead to this transformation. All right, so let me wrap this up with a little recap. That's our first show of four. And I don't know if we're going to do them right in a row because we have some pretty exciting guests coming up too. But we will within the next couple months anyway. First show in our series of four in this part of the Old Master series. And let's recap the eight things you can tell your prospect that your product or service helps them do. And I've changed the words a little bit to bring them up to 2021 from 1961. My God, is it 2021 already? Yes, it's 2021 already. Wake up. Okay, number one, express yourself. Number two, keep others from dominating you. Number three, satisfy your curiosity. Number four, get admired by other people. Number five, appreciate beauty. Number six, collect things. Number seven, get the love and affection of others. And number eight, get better in some way or many ways. And I put a link to a slightly more modern version of this book, but the same words in the book, how to write a good advertisement by Vic Schwab in the show notes. Awesome. David, this has been a fantastic episode. I always love these episodes because getting to the roots, getting to the foundations of what makes good copy. Nowadays, it seems like there's so much out there that's all about gimmicks and bright, shiny objects and new tactics and new tools and platforms and all of this stuff. But getting down to the foundations of stuff is always what really lights my fire up when it comes to copywriting. So I really appreciate you putting these episodes together, man. 
I don't know why, but I'm thinking of that movie, Risky Business, one of Tom Cruise's first movies. And he turns his parents' house into um, an escort service, a brothel, while they're away. And eventually, I feel like the basics of life kind of show up in that martial arts master who takes them down about three steps, which remember at the end. So I, I think that you've got to know the basics if you want to, if you want to do a good job. And especially when your gimmicks stop working, you're going to look for another gimmick or you're going to be able to trace back to, okay, what are the reasons this didn't work and how can I change it? So anyway, long way of agreeing with you. And thank you for saying that. All right, man. And if you want to catch more episodes of the Copywriters Podcast, head on over to copywriterspodcast.com. Make sure you're subscribed on your favorite podcast app. Check us out on YouTube. And until next time, we will catch you later. Catch you later. Hey, if you enjoyed today's podcast, be sure to subscribe rate, and review on your favorite podcast app so we can get into ears of more listeners. Thank you. This is the Copy and Funnels Podcast Network.